This is an ABC podcast. There's a whole lot happening in the golf worlds, and, and it really all centres around one man in John Rahm. So the confirmation yesterday, the reports coming through that he is signed with Live Golf. Live, obviously, L-I-V, which is the Roman numerals for 54, being the 54 series, meaning three rounds. And as John Rahm also outlined, 54 really meaning the perfect round of golf. It's 18 less than 72, then par. So as a result, there's the... There's the symmetry and all of that as to, to why it is the, the Live Series, the, the 54 Series. He's headed over there. It's backed, of course, by the uh, Saudi Public Investment Fund. Uh, he did speak in 2022 about the number of players that were going to join the Live Series while he stayed at the PGA. So if you cast your mind back to last year when a lot of this conversation was being had, the players that were staying at the PGA seemed to do a really good job at articulating why they wanted to stay with the PGA. John Rahm was one of those, and the players that were going to the Live Series didn't do a great job at explaining why, or at least trying to articulate, other than just for the money, why they were going to play in uh, in the Live Series. Here is John Rahm in 2022, by the way. I do see the appeal that other people see towards the Live Golf. Um, I do see some of the... I put this delicately... Um, points or arguments they can make towards why they prefer it. Uh, to be honest, part of the format is not really appealing to me. Shotgun three days to me is not a golf tournament, no cut. It's that simple. Uh, I want to play against the best in the world in a format that's been going on for hundreds of years. Right? So that's what I want to see. And yeah, money is great, but when Kelly and I, was, this first thing happened, we, we started talking about it. We are like, will our lifestyle change if I got $400 million? No. It will not change one bit. Truth be told, I could retire right now with what I've made and I've lived a very happy life and not play golf again. So uh, I've never really played the game of golf for monetary reasons. I play for the, for the love of the game and I want to play against the best in the world. I've always been interested in history and legacy. And right now, the PGA Tour has that. There's, there's a meaning when you win the Memorial Championship. There's a meaning when you win Arnold Palmer's event at Bay Hill. There's a meaning when you win L.A., Torrey, some of these historic venues. And that, to me, matters a lot, right? Uh, I have, you know, after this winning this, this past U.S. Open, you know, only me and Tiger have won at Torrey Pines. And we're both the golf course that we like, making putts on the 18th hole, right? That's a memory I'm going to have forever that not many people can say, so... Uh, my heart is with the PGA Tour. That's all I can say. It's not my business or my character ju- to judge anybody who, who thinks otherwise. Uh, and for a lot of people, I'm not going to lie, those next three, four years are worth basically their, their retirement plan they're giving them. It's, uh, it's a very nice compensation to then retire and sail off to the sunset. Fair to say he's had a change of heart. So that was John Rahm in 2022. He's now signed a three-year deal worth more than a reported $300 million a year. It means that Live, the 54 series, now has three of the past five major winners and seven of the last 14, so relevance recently. And Rahm is the world number three and the Masters champion is just about as big a name as there is in the world of golf at the moment. He fronted up on ESPN this morning and spoke on the Pat McAfee show. Now... I'm not going to duck the question and I'll say it. Listen, obviously the money is very, very nice. I'm not going to give you the whole yeah. spiel, okay? Yeah. I don't play golf for money, but but as a father, as a husband, as a family man, I do owe it to my family to set them up the best I can, and luckily I have the possibility. So, yeah, that was a big part of it. <laughs> a lot so, of numbers being reported. Are any of them accurate? 
<laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> that was John Rahn this morning with Pat McAfee. Now, former professional golfer, renowned golf architect, commentator, and I hear he's also been moonlighting as a caddy as well. Uh, his name is Mike Clayton, and I'm pleased to say he joins me on Grandstand across the country. Mike, appreciate your time. Thanks, Corbin. Uh, first of all, have we reached a tipping point with John Rahm going to join the 54 Series? Uh, no. I think there are still most of the players are on the PJ Tour. Um, you know, it's a loss for the tour. You know, live, pick up one, the tour loses one. So you lose two when you lose a player like Rahm. Um, but, you know, I agree with everything you said in that first clip. And, well, everything you said in the second clip, it's about the money. Mm. Everyone's got a, everyone's got a price, and they found his, and he he's gone for it. So, um, you know, I just makes me want to throw up this family stuff. I mean, the, you know, the guy's probably he's probably making a hundred million dollars a year. You know, he doesn't need to go to live to make sure his great 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 grandchildren never have to work, which is a horrible concept and a horrible idea. But um, you know, he's got plenty of money, mm. so. I don't know why he went. I guess I guess he had a price and off he went. You know, I think there were probably a bunch of players are frustrated with how the tours dealt with this. You know, I think perhaps he wants to um, create more golf outside of America. You know, there's so much money in America now that it's you know it's it's taken so much from the European tour and the Australian tour and. The, the global tours that are now, you know, not even second rate when it comes to America because there's so much crazy money there. But the question for the game is, is it sustainable? Now, when Greg Norman was the best player in the world, they were playing for $5 million a week, about, give or take. Tiger turns up and it doubles it to 10. Liv turns up and they double it to 20. So the tour doubles their purses to 20. And it's, you know, Wells Fargo, who've been a long-time sponsor of a big tournament uh, in, in America, pulled out this week after this year they're out. You know, the TV ratings post-Tiger are no good. And there's a whole bunch of rich entitled players thinking they're the greatest generation when they're not. You know, and is it sustainable is the question. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly, clearly uh, the Saudi Arabian the kingdom don't, want to make a profit out of this, certainly not in the short term, because it's not, you know, there's no indication that they're looking to make any money out of it, not not now anyway. But the tour has got to survive, and, you know, can it survive with purses that are, you know, way too high for the product they're producing, which is, sure, it's the best players in the world, but, you know, the TV ratings don't justify $20 million purses a lot of weeks. No. And, and losing John Rahm is a big deal. You know, if they lost a few more, I mean, Rory's not going to go. At least I don't think he is. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they've offered him half a billion dollars and he said no. So Tiger, Tiger said no to a billion Australian dollars. And Rory and Tiger are pretty tight. So that's not going to happen. Mm. So, so it's, I mean, for me, the fascination is just watching all the, the politics and how, how this whole thing plays out, really. I mean, I don't care. I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't really care who wins or loses, but I mean, what what I want to see is not going to happen, which is a great one single great tour outside of the United States. So all the best non-American players eventually accumulate onto a great tour 
outside of America, and they play in Australia and New Zealand, South Africa, South America, even Canada, Japan, Asia, Europe. But, you know, how do you make that work, really? That's the question. Yeah. Mike Clayton with me on Grandstand Across the Country. I mean, everyone's got their sellout point, and for a lot of people, it'll be uh, a fair bit further south than $900 million that uh, John Rahm's going to get for uh, for going over to the Live Series. Um, what, what does it mean, though, for, for the layperson? And I must admit, I'm super casual golf fan at, at best, but what happened to this supposed merger that was meant to happen between the PGA and the, the Live Series before the, the end of uh, December 31? Is, is that off the table now? Well, a merger was a horrible word. I, I mean... Again, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but yeah, clearly there's there's not going to be a merger that happens between. So I think that the Saudis have figured that out and they're just going to go their own way now. So as far as I can tell, I might be wrong, but as far as I can tell, there is no merger. And I guess that the PGA Tour are talking to a bunch of private equity firms who are, you know, how do we raise the money and keep this thing afloat? Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, but... Um, the, the success of, which was, you know, as far as I could tell, in terms of crowds, the one super successful event Liv had was in Adelaide, where, as a country, we've been so starved of seeing the best players in the world that if you put on one tournament, you've got people from all over the country flying to watch it. So great for the South Australian government, for the, for the five million they threw into it. And having said that, the last two weeks were pretty good in Australia. Now, they weren't like super amazing fields, but they were damn good fields for Australia at the PGA and the Australian Open last week. So, you know. Uh, but, but you know, but we're a long way from, you know, the, I was lucky enough to play in that golden time in Australia when David Graham and Graham Marsh and Bob Shearer. And then, you know, Greg turned up. So that, you know, that era, all of us, Wayne Grady and Finchie and all of us who played in that era, played some amazing golf tournaments for a small country, you know, with not huge budgets. The Australian Masters was a great event. The state opens were terrific. And, you know, a lot of that's gone away because the game has changed so much. The business of television has changed so much. You know, there's so much more money elsewhere now to play. So it's, uh, you know, it's changed a lot in in the last 30 years. It's, it's, It's incredible, really. Uh, we saw recently Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy launching the Tech Golf League, the TGL. Uh, are you able to tell us what on earth that is and what you're expecting from it? Didn't the tent blow over? Yes, it did. Well, yeah, it did. So yeah. the only thing I know about it is the tent blow over, and they've postponed it for 24, and they're starting again in 25. And it, yeah, I have no clue what it is. I've no interest in watching it because yes. I because I I like watching golf when. And I think I'm increasingly probably in a minority, but it's a growing minority of people who are just, they don't watch pro golf anymore. They're fed up with it. And the courses are not interesting. The players are rich and entitled. And, you know, the carry-on over the ball rollback has been truly pathetic amongst <laughs> the players. I mean, it's like, God, they're going to take 15 yards off you. You know, you know these guys think they've earned 30, 30 or 40 or 50 extra. Well, the, the driving distance is 50 yards further than it was in 1980. These guys think that's all because they're such great athletes. When in truth, it's a bunch of rocket scientists got together and figured out how to make a graphite shaft, a titanium head, and a ball that wouldn't spin. So, you know, the scale of the game is completely mad. So explain to me, explain to me, Mike, the rollback. So we saw a little bit about this during the week. For people that aren't golf people, if you're trying to explain to them, what, what is this latest controversy? Well, the USGA and the RNA have decided that enough's enough and, and they're going to restrict how far the ball goes. 
So the, the original proposal was they were going to bifurcate the game and at the top level, on the, on, the, on the tours, professional events and probably some of the highest level amateur events, they were going to play with a ball that didn't go as far. And the manufacturers screamed blue murder. You know, you, you're bifurcating the game. You know, we, we want to sell the, we want the pros playing with the same ball the amateurs do. Which is, I mean, the, the game that we play and the game that pros play is not the same thing. I mean, Rory hits the ball 100 yards for the most amateurs. So the, the administration decided they were going to roll the ball back. And it was going to be bifurcated. So amateurs would play one ball and the pros would play the other. And of course, the manufacturers went nuts at that. So the, the administration this week said, Okay, we're going to roll it back for everybody. Mm. And of course, then America goes nuts because the Americans don't know that 40 years ago in Australia, the ball was rolled back for everybody. In fact, the ball was rolled back for everybody that wasn't from the North American continent and South America because we played the small ball, 1.62 inches, and it weighed the same as the 1.6, 8 inch ball. So it obviously went further. And then so we were all forced, which was a great decision, to play with the big ball. So every amateur in Australia lost up to 25 yards, depending on how far they hit it. But the, the further they hit, the more they lost. Mm. So, so Americans don't understand that we've already been through this. So, of course, they're screaming blue murder that you know, like the world's going to fall in because the, the longest players in the world are going to lose 20 yards and the average player might lose five or six, yeah. which they wouldn't even notice because they miss it most shots anyway. So anyway, you know, it, it's, it's... So the theory is, I, yeah, that it will help protect some of our most, you know, um, historic, famous well, it, golf courses. Is, is, that, is that fair from them being overpowered yeah. by the modern player and the modern equipment and everything else? Well, they've already, they've already been obsolete. But, yeah, I mean, if the measure of obsolescence is how Alistair McKenzie, who designed Royal Melbourne in 1926, and arguably it's the best course in the world, certainly one of the best three or four, you know, if he came back 100 years later and saw that golf course and how it played, it's completely obsolete in terms of how he saw it playing. But, you know, it, it had evolved into a great test in the 70s and 80s. Now, you know, as much as I love Royal Melbourne and as great as the golf course is, for the best players, it's a driver wedge fest now. So, you know, they, they're clearly trying to make the lessen the distance the ball flies. So, all of the great championship courses in the world don't have to keep building tees further and further back, further and further back, just to accommodate the modern player. Well, of course, who pays for all that? Well, the amateur plays for that. The club members all, all pay for that. The pros aren't paying for it. Mm. So, and of course, you know, the manufacturers are going nuts because they think they're the most important things in the game. When, you know, if they all went broke, no one would care. I mean, someone's all, someone's always going to make golf balls. You know, but they're carrying on like it's the end of the world. But in the end, they're like every other lobby group who are arguing out of self-interest and using fear as a justification for it. They're not different from the gambling lobby or the cigarette lobby or the alcohol lobby or any other, or the oil lobby or every other lobby group. They argue out of self-interest and invoke fear. And, and most of it is pretty unjustified. I mean, restaurants didn't go out of business because people stopped smoking in restaurants and people still fly on airplanes. Now they you know, can't smoke anymore. And I don't see this as being any different. You know, I mean, in, in, in 10 years' time, no one's going to notice that the ball goes, you know, five yards further for the average player. 
Uh, Mikey Times, appreciated. Thank you very much for jumping on on short notice and particularly your uh, your insights on uh, all of the happenings in the world of golf. There's uh, there's no shortage of talking points. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Pleasure. Thanks, Corbin. Uh, Mike Clayton with me, of course, uh, former tour pro and uh, commentator, caddy, architect of golf courses, all the rest of it as well. Nice to have uh, Mike with us on Grandstand. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.